Welcome to the Landmark Podcast. I'm Jason Calhoun, pastor of Landmark Pentecostal Church in Texarkana, Texas. We encourage you to visit us on the web at landmarkupc.net for a schedule of services and upcoming events. We pray that you are blessed by the message today. Thank you again for listening. Hallelujah. Do you believe he's concerned and works to help each and every one of us? But I want to focus on our mothers here today. And by extension, as you're listening in, I believe that you can receive something from this powerful story in the word of the Lord. Let's lift up our voices to him right now. And let's pray that God's hand would be upon the remainder of this service. Jesus, we look to you. We're believing you. We're asking of you you would minister and move in this house. God, that you would break forth in this place. Let your anointed word touch the lives and the hearts of people that are gathered here today. I pray that you would move upon each of us. Give us a miracle. We thank you for it. We give you praise for the many miracles that you've already given us. And we're believing here this morning that you're going to do it even the more. In Jesus' name. Let's give praise to our God and worship to Him. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you so much for standing and you may be seated. As I read this story and recently reading it again, I was reminded of something remarkable regarding miracles in the Word of God. Some of the greatest miracles I've come to recognize in the Word of the Lord that you read about in the Scripture, the recipients of those miracles remain nameless. I mean, I could go on and on, but I'm just going to point out a few here this morning. We've read the story and are encouraged by it in Luke 17 of the ten lepers that approached the Lord. And cried out to him asking that he would heal them. And the scripture says that he told them to go show themselves to the priest. And as they went in obedience to the word of God. And that's many times how a miracle comes to you and I's life. Is by simple obedience to the word of God. If you need a miracle today you can find the formula. In the word of the Lord and being obedient to the word of the Lord will bring a miracle to you. But as they went, they suddenly realized that these inflictions on their bodies caused by this terrible dreaded disease of leprosy begin to fade away. And I I would imagine that this nine or the majority of them quickened their pace as they began to run towards where the priest was so that they could once again be restored to their loved ones and their friends. But there was one, as you know, that looked down and saw what was happening and went back to thank the Lord. And the Bible said that he was not only healed, but he was made whole. In other words, all of the things that this disease had left as far as scars And all of the torment that had been caused, not only physically, but possibly mentally, was suddenly suddenly restored just as though it had never happened in the first place. 
It is an amazing miracle, but one of the things that stands out to me about this is that the Scripture says that there is no name given to these individuals. They're just called lepers. And then, of course, the blind man in John chapter 9 that made his way to the Lord, seeking his sight. And the Scripture says that Jesus did a very peculiar thing. He spat on the ground, and he took of that spittle and mud and formed uh, some particles from it to place in that man's eyes and told him to go to the pool of Siloam and wash. And that's always been bizarre to me because how could a blind man find a, a pool that was located in a different area? And if you read that, you'll find that it was quite a distance from where this man was to go wash in the pool of Siloam. But this man somehow found his way to that specific place. And again, in obedience to the word of the Lord, the Lord touched him and he was healed of his blindness. But at the end of the story, after all of the details that are given in it, there's one detail that is left out. And that is that he remains nameless. And then there is, of course, that famous occasion when we often uh, use this to inspire our faith or to encourage ourselves of that lady that in a weak and frail condition from suffering for 12 years because of a hemorrhaging in her body, she makes her way out into the street as Jesus passes by and in the midst of that jostling crowd she Evidently was knocked low because the Bible says she touched but the border or the hem of his garment. But when she did and when she responded in faith, the Bible says that immediately she felt the fountain was dried up in her body and she was made whole. After all of that, though, there's no name given for this lady. After all of the story concludes, we still don't know her name. Then we know of the paraplegic man that was brought, the Bible says, bore by four of his friends to the house where Jesus was. And of course, uh, they could not enter into the house by normal means. And I want to stop right here and say that often miracles don't come by normal means. A lot of times we've got to step out of the box. We've got to do things that are unorthodox. We've got to do things that are not customary sometimes to receive a miracle from the Lord. But as they made their way onto the roof, while others would have said, well, we'll catch him on another day, they knew that this was a desperate need and they may never have this opportunity again. So we're going to do whatever we must for this man to receive his miracle. I wonder if we would come to church with that mindset that we may not have another service. We may not have another chance. We found over the last few weeks we don't need to take anything for granted. But we're here today in the presence of the Lord, able to feel the power of God in this place. We need to take advantage of this opportunity and receive what God has in store for us. And as they let down this man through the roof that they had broken up 
And that always makes me smirk a little bit when I read that because this wasn't their house. And who knows if they ever came back to offer to repair it. And I can imagine the owner of that house who certainly must have been there as he's standing there thinking, you know what, I wonder if all of this is worth it. I, I wonder if I really should have invited this Jesus into my house today. But when he saw that miracle, the Bible said that they were all amazed, including the owner of the house. He stood there astonished with a slack jaw and said, my God, I've never seen anything like this the Bible said they never saw it done on that fashion. They had never seen church like that before. They said we've never seen a move of God like this before. I want to tell you that's the way that you and I need to approach the house of God is this could be the service. This could be the moment that God moves like we've never seen him move before. I think this world needs the church to have church like it's never had church before. We need greater moves of God, greater miracles, a, a greater impact of God's Spirit than we've ever seen in our lives. But at the end of the day, still there's no name that is given. And there's many more that I could recite here this morning. Moreover, there are many mothers that are left nameless. Have you ever considered that? That received and were recipients of great miracles in the Word of God. Of course, immediately my mind turns to that lady in Luke 7 when Jesus is walking down the road with His disciples and He is just leaving a point in His ministry where He had done such great things and I'm certain that the disciples were excited, they were thrilled, and they were filled with joy as they were walking down the road, but they looked up and they saw a funeral procession making its way towards them. And suddenly all of their excitement turns somber. And they're wondering, you know, uh, I wonder how the Lord is going to respond to this or what He's going to do. And isn't that just like life sometimes? We have these tremendous highs and great victories and only to be confronted with a circumstance and a situation that catches us off guard. It, it catches us off balance. But the Lord is going to do something in just a few moments that's going to leave these disciples with even greater reason to rejoice than what they were before. The Bible says that he stopped the funeral procession and there was a mother. We call her the widow of Nain. Now, don't, don't pass over that too quick. The widow of Nain, she's already lost a husband. She's already grieved the loss of her, her dear husband and now she is grieving the loss of her son. And the Bible says that he touched this man and he was raised up. He had been in this condition dead for some time. As the custom goes, you'll find that to get to this point of when they were bringing him to the bearing, this, this had been, he had been in this state, in other words, for a long period of time. But it doesn't matter how long the issue has been dead in your life. When God gets ready 
to touch you. When God gets ready to give you the miracle, you, you may feel like it's hopeless. You may feel like it's beyond his reach. You may feel like nothing good can ever come out of this. But I'm telling you, God is able to resurrect hope where there seems like there is no reason to hope. He is able to give a miracle when it seems like there's no way that there could possibly be a miracle in our lives. But all we know as close as we get to an identifier of who she is is that she was simply the widow of name. A nameless person, but a mighty, mighty miracle. One nameless mother that we overlook sometimes in Matthew chapter 14 and in other renditions of this same story in the Gospels was when a multitude was hungry. And there was no food to feed them. No supermarkets in the area. The Bible says that the Lord had his disciples bring to him the lunch of a lad that had five loaves in it and two fish. Now you can think that a lad had enough forethought to pack his own lunch if you want to. But I've had, well I still have, two sons, and three grandsons. And I've never known them to have that much forethought. <laughs> but there's a mother in this story, I'm sure, somewhere in the background, this unsung heroine, who thought, you know, my son, and it's, you know, Jesus does have a reputation of preaching too long. And he's going to get hungry. And we need to pack him a lunch. And she sent this lunch along with him. And Jesus took this meager amount that was really only for one person. That was the plan. And he multiplied it and fed an entire multitude of people. Oh, I celebrate mothers that, that put things in their children's life that God can make a miracle out of. I, I celebrate mothers today and honor mothers today who, who teach their children and indoctrinate their children and put things in their children and live an example before their children that God can use and work in and give a great miracle because of. Hallelujah. And not only did it feed that multitude until they were full, the Bible said, it says that when they had all eaten and were full, that there was 12 basketfuls that remained above and beyond. That's an amazing thing. But yet, whom it started with, who we, we, we know it's not explicitly here, but it's implied was with a mother that had enough forethought to, to pack the lunch in the first place. What am I trying to say by using all of these nameless miracles here today? Maybe you feel like a nobody. Maybe you feel like, well, he could possibly do it for somebody else, but I'm doubtful he could do it for me with, with all I've been through and where I come from and my, 
my strata in life. I don't know if God is able to give me a miracle. I'm going to tell you what I've told you this morning. I don't have to preach any further to tell you that God is able to give you a miracle. It doesn't matter what your last name is. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter what your prestige or station in life or lack thereof is. God is able to give you a miracle today. You you can read in the scripture, why was these names left out? I feel like it was for a reason. He was trying to say, it's not who you are, but it's uh, how much faith do you have? How much trust in me do you have? Do you have a desire in your heart for God to move in your life? Amen. And then who could forget this particular story in the scripture that I read to you this morning? Theologians say that in the order of things, this was just after the feeding of the 5,000 that this event occurred. Jesus, though we must always, and I'm so thankful for the revelation, always remember that he was all God. He had all power in heaven and earth. That's what the Bible says. But we also must remember that he was all man while he was here in the flesh. All points tempted like as we are. If you've been sick, you know that there was times that he didn't feel well, perhaps. If you've ever been tired, you know that there was times that he felt weary in his body. If you've ever been hungry, you know that there was times that he grew hungry. If, if you've ever been thirsty, you know that there were times that he must have grown thirsty. And the Bible says that he went to the borders of Tyre and Sidon. Unusual place. Historically, these were pagan Gentile cities deep in Phoenicia, an area that was not noted for being particularly religious. And if they were, they were very polytheistic, which means that they believed in many gods. We know that the Greeks had that philosophy that they didn't believe in the one true and living God, but they just labeled many gods and they prayed to these gods according to what their need was. But in these port cities along the Mediterranean, these people, according to my study, had very little time for God in the hustle and the bustle of life. And in verse 24, the Bible says Jesus entered into a house and would have no man know it. This was a place where he could have gone and gotten away from the crowds because there was nobody that really in this area of the country was looking for him or searching for him or desirous of him. But the Bible goes on to say, but he could not be hid. This ought to be an encouragement to anyone and everyone that desires a miracle today, that has a need in your life that you want the Lord to meet. If there's a situation that you want the Lord to work in, the fact that he could not be hit. If you're hungry, that's really the only prerequisite. If you're hungry, he cannot be hid from you. If you have a need, he cannot be hid from you. If you have faith and you're seeking him, he cannot be hid from you. And the Bible says that he entered into a house, but he could not be hid. That means wherever he is. You know, there's some things you can't conceal it. 
You can't hide it. doesn't matter how much you try to disguise it. And that's just the way it is with somebody that's got Jesus in their life too. Amen. If you got the Holy Ghost, uh, you, you may have tried to go back to work the next day with a straight face and said, I'm just kind of going to keep it to myself. But you're, you're like Jairus after the healing of his daughter. You couldn't help it. Even though he was charged, uh, even though he was told not to tell anybody, he could not help himself. I said he could not help himself. He had to tell others uh, of what Jesus uh, had done for him. I'm going to tell you, if you got Jesus in your life, uh, you cannot help yourself. You got to tell others about how good he's been to you. You can't conceal it. You've got to express and testify that he's a miracle worker, that he's a deliverer, that he's a soul saver, that he is able to do what you need him to do if you can only reach out to him. Oh, clap your hands and let's give a little praise to the Lord. If he's in a sanctuary, if he's in a place like this, he cannot be hid. Uh, you're going to find if he, if he is moving in this place, uh, you can feel him. You can know that he's near. You can sense his presence. He cannot be hid. The Bible says that this, and, it, and notice it says a certain woman. Now, she had several strikes against her. Strike number one. She was a Gentile, an alien to the commonwealth of Israel, a stranger from the covenants of promise, one without hope in this world, as Paul talked about. Strike number one. Strike number two, she was a Greek. You say, how is that any worse? Again, these were people that were steeped in paganism people that were polytheistic. I mean, they had so many gods they couldn't keep track of them all. And a very immoral society. They depended on their learning and their understanding and their education instead of having faith and trust in God. So she was a Gentile, strike one. And she was a Greek, strike two. And I want you to hang with me here. She was a woman. And in ancient culture of that day, in that male-dominated society, this was strike three against her. No woman would approach the Lord like she did according to that custom and the tradition of that day. However, before you count her out, before you're dismissive of her, you've got to read on in this story because this nameless mother in Scripture, received one of the greatest miracles that we read about and received a commendation for her faith. And the Bible says that Jesus never had to go to where the daughter was. He never had to physically touch her. He never, he never showed up to her house. He just spoke the word. And as far as I'm concerned, uh, I can only remember one other place in the Scripture where that happened for the centurion and his servant when the centurion approached the Lord and asked for the healing of his servant, 
the Bible says that Jesus was willing to go, but the centurion had an understanding of the power of his word. He said, you just speak the word. I'm a man of authority, and I'm also under authority, so I understand how this works. If you speak the word, it's going to be done. And the Bible said it was so. And the Lord said, I haven't found faith like this anywhere. And it is an amazing that it was an outsider, it was an outcast, it was somebody that was least likely that we read about having this great and extraordinary miracle that happened in her life. But how, you ask, with three strikes against her, with no favors, no pedigree, no past experience with the Lord, and I could go on and on, yet according to these verses, she did some things that contributed to her receiving a miracle. Number one, she came to where he was. It may have broke tradition. It may have not been customary. But she came to where he was. She was not intimidated to approach him. I'm going to tell you, if you're going to get something from God, you've got to quit being sheepish and intimidated and allowing yourself to be talked out of it. You've got to realize, I've got to get bold about this. I've got to get determined about this. I've got to decide that I'm not, I'm not going to be turned aside. I'm not going to be turned away. But I'm going to receive a miracle from the Lord. What, what motivated her to take such risk? Because this was definitely a risk, an attempt, such a task. The Bible tells us that she was heavily burdened because of a daughter that was grievously. Notice the adjectives here. Notice this wasn't that her daughter was dealing with a demonic spirit, but she was grievously vexed. And I, I want to propose to you that this didn't happen overnight. To become grievously vexed, this was something that had gradually happened and occurred. And I would imagine as she is making her way to the house where Jesus was, her mind goes back maybe to the day that she gave birth to that beautiful daughter. And she remembers that bundle of joy that brightened her world. She once again begins to consider how much she loved that little girl that came into her life. She remembers certain milestones along the way. Maybe she reflects on her first birthday and she remembers that. Maybe it was the first day of school or perhaps it was interacting with other children as she observed her playing with her friends. This was a fond memory Maybe it was her brilliant smile that could light up a room that, that, that was something that she often reflected on and thought about. Uh, maybe it was special moments together and uh, festivities that they were involved in and things that they enjoyed doing together as mother and daughter that she remembered as she made her way to the house where Jesus was. But the scripture says uh, that uh, while she was on her way, she was reminded of the fact that uh, unless I get an answer today, unless I, I find some hope today, unless something changes today, my daughter can't make it very much longer in this condition. She's grievously vexed. It gradually took place in her life. Maybe... Maybe she came home one day and she noticed just a little slight change. It wasn't anything drastic. 
something wasn't right. She maybe couldn't even put a finger on it. But then a few days beyond that, it, it's, it's worse. She thinks it's maybe just a mood swing. Maybe it's just an attitude that she's picked up. Maybe there's, there's something that can be done to correct it. Maybe she needs to uh, do something parentally to, to, to correct this problem. But she tries everything, and it just gets worse by the day until finally she comes in, and she doesn't even recognize her little girl anymore. She's got a distorted features. She, she's, uh, uh, she's, she's out of her mind as she's talking. I'm going to tell you, uh, the, these things don't happen overnight. They gradually happen by people's choices and decisions and the roads that they walk down and the things that they allow themselves to be influenced by. And slowly it begins to crowd out any semblance of innocency. It begins to crowd out any semblance that she has of being that happy little girl, peaceful little darling that was born to this mother. As a matter of fact, this sweet little innocent girl is now something like a monster to this mother. And this weighs heavy on the heart of this mama. Really, probably only a mother can identify with what I'm saying. One mother described it this way, children start out on your knee, but they end up on your heart. And you know it doesn't seem to matter how old they get, they stay there on your heart. You're still concerned about them. You're still praying for them. You're still hoping the best for them. You're still concerned about your children. This is what pushed her. This is what motivated her. This is what made this mother swallow whatever pride she might have had and said, you know what? I couldn't care less. I've got to get to Jesus. Not only did she come to where he was, but the Bible says that when she got there, even before she made it into the room where he was, there's evidence that when she arrived and the disciples tried to discourage her from going any further and told the Lord to send her away, he must have heard my next point because the Bible says that she besought him or she cried unto him. She was very obstinate with it. She, she she pled with the Lord and he could hear the moans and the cries and the body, he could see it shaking and racking with tears as she sobbed for this daughter. She knew this was her only chance. Some needs call for desperate measures. Some needs call for drastic responses. And this was this lady's cry unto the Lord. I may never have you in this area again. I may never have this opportunity to pass my way again. So now I I want to receive a miracle. I want to do every. I, I may not get it, but I'm going to do everything within my power to see it happen. I'm going to do everything that I can to see it take place in my daughter's life. And it's apparent that this mother, this mother wasn't worried about 
those who may witness her cry. She wasn't worried about what they may think of her or how much they tried to stop her, but she cried out to the Lord, and her cry overcame the obstacles that she was confronted with, the obstacles of the nationality and the problem with her being an outsider, the obstacle of tradition, the obstacle of feeling unworthy, the obstacle of self-doubt, the obstacle of the fear of rejection, the obstacle of pride, all of those things were cast aside and she did not allow any of these things to stop her from getting to where Jesus was and Jesus looked at her and said well lady let's let's let the children first be feeding and I want you to notice her response to this let the children first be feeding problem was the children of Israel were not hungry for God the problem was the children of Israel were not hungry for what he had to offer and she must have realized that. It's difficult to be fed if you're not hungry. It's difficult to receive if you're not hungry. It's difficult to get anything from God if you're not hungry because Matthew 5 and 6 Jesus said on the Sermon on the Mount, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness for they shall be filled. Really that's the prerequisite Really, that's the only thing that a person needs. You know what? You can find what else you need to do if you're hungry enough. You'll find a way to find him. You'll find a way to break through. You'll find a way to receive a miracle if you're hungry. That's one thing nobody else can give you is a hunger for God. But if you've got a hunger, nobody else can stop you from getting to him and receiving from him. Why don't you lift up your voice and let's praise the Lord together as we stand. For they shall be filled. And then finally, not only did she come to where he was and she cried out to him. But even when she was dissuaded, even when... She could have walked away in disappointment and discouragement. I want you to recognize something here. She continued. When he told her that, let the children first be filled, he said, for it's not meat to take the children's bread and to cast it to dog. It's not, it's not meat. It's not customary. It's not tradition to take this precious message that I have and this precious meat that I have, if you want to say it that way, and cast it to the dogs. And she simply said, yes, Lord. But even the dogs that are under the table eat of the children's bread. This was a testament of her faith. Lord, just a little crumb, just a little bit of you is enough to touch my daughter just a little bit of you is enough, has enough power. Just a little crumb has enough power in it to deliver my daughter. Just a little bit. It, that's all I need. I'm not asking for a whole lot. Matter of fact, I have such faith in just one touch from the Lord. I have enough faith to believe that just you speak in the Word. I have enough faith. It doesn't take, it doesn't take something big or something grand to impress me. I have enough faith in your power to just you speaking it just you moving in that direction in that situation is going to be all that it's going to take 
And notice what he said. And he said unto her, For this saying, go thy way. The devil is gone out of thy daughter. Because you didn't stop, but you continued. You fought off the urge to quit. You overcame the temptation to become offended about something. You refused to succumb to the feelings of rejection. You overcame all of that and said, God, I'm not here on my behalf. I'm here because I need a miracle for my daughter. Come on mama I'm preaching to you this morning do you need a miracle don't give up don't quit continue to cry out continue to come and beseech the throne of God continue to find your way into his presence and seek him reminds me of the word of the Lord that was given in Luke 18 the Bible says a woman who came to an unjust judge the Bible said he had no regard for men or for God himself. The Bible says that she continually came and she continually besought him to rule in her favor. And the Bible said I, that the unjust judge threw up his hands and said, I will avenge her lest her continual coming lest her continual coming she weary me. I'm going to tell you, sometimes receiving a miracle from the Lord is just not giving up. It's not quitting. It's not stopping. It's being resilient. It's bouncing back. It's to continue to pray. It's to continue to fast. It's continue to believe God. It's continue to stand strong. Can I tell you something, Mother? You're not going to win by, by backing up now. You're, you're not going to see victory by backing up now. The best thing you could do is remain in the game and remain faithful and consistent. Don't back up. Don't compromise. Don't bend. But make up your mind. A miracle is forthcoming. A miracle is forthcoming. If I can just continue Continue to come back. I may have to crawl in this place, but I'll do so because I want a miracle. I, I may have to get down on my knees and cry out to God, amen, with a weak voice, but I'll do so because I need a miracle. Mama, if you need a miracle, God is able to give it to you. I wonder if we'd, I, you know what, I'd like to make this altar appeal to, to mothers who, who need a miracle. I know that this is talking about a child, and, and perhaps that's probably the most obvious. But there could be other needs of miracles here today. And you know the most awkward thing about this whole pandemic situation is because it doesn't work very good for our altar services and our Pentecostal way of worship. But you know what? I believe God's able to touch us here today no matter what the circumstances are. And if you have the faith to step out from where you are and make your way to this altar, if you have the faith and the courage to continue to come back, I believe God can give somebody a confirmation and a miracle. And you can leave this place feeling different about things today. God wants to lift somebody's spirit. God wants to touch somebody's heart. So, Mama, why don't you come? Is there, is there mothers that want to gather around this front, first of all? If you'll make your way down, I want to give you the opportunity. I want to give you the chance to come. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you for responding. Thank you for coming. But you know what? 
miracles not only for mamas today, but miracles are for everybody. If you need one, this would be a good time for you to come down around this front, sir, and say, God, I yield myself to you. It'd be a good time for some of you that, that are in desperately in need to come and say, God, I need you to touch me again. I need you to work in my life. As they begin to sing, I want you to cry out to him right now. I want you to, I want you to bombard heaven with your voice right now. Come on, don't be afraid to lift up your voice. I know we may not be able to do some things, but that's one thing we can do. We can have prayer and faith unleashed in this house. We can let our voice go in this place here today. Come on, cry out to him right now. Reach out to him right now. Seek him right now. Call on his name right now. Somebody lift up Jesus right Come on, come on. Pray, church. Reach out to the Lord. Let Him move on you. Let Him touch you. Let Him work in your life. Let Him help you today. Oh, yes. I need you, Jesus. I need you, Jesus. I hunger for you. I truly desire you. I'm praying, God, that you would move. I'm praying, oh, Lord, that your work and your will would be done in our lives. Mama, be encouraged today. Let faith arise in her heart. Let her respond to your word.